BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. It is what? Friday, May 12th, uh, 2023. And to give you a sense of what's going on in the news today, even though we're not going to be talking about this at all, uh, it, in my conversation with my distinguished guest, who's patiently waiting, but just give you a sense of what's going on in the world. Uh, out of the New York Times, breaking news, Daniel Perry, excuse me, Daniel Penny arraigned on manslaughter charge in Jordan Neely's killing. Uh, the Manhattan, Manhattan District Attorney Office charged Mr. Penny with second-degree manslaughter for choking Mr. Neely to death on the subway. And that, of course, uh, is the case we've been talking a lot about uh, on the show and all the ramifications of that case and the reverberations right here in the city of Chicago. Uh, we're unstable people start, start having sort of uh, attacks or fits or whatever you want to call them on subways. What do you do? How do you react? Uh, well, what this one gentleman did uh, in the New York City subway was to attack. Uh, Daniel Penny attacked Jordan Neely, one house, got him in a choke lock and ended up uh, killing him. Uh, the district attorney has charged him with second degree of manslaughter. This will be obviously this will be a very combative case. Uh, the uh, the attorney for uh, Daniel Penny has made it clear uh, that he is going to play the political game. It's going to be sort of like I don't know if you're old enough to remember Bernard Gatz. If if you're old enough to remember seeing the movie Dirty Harry. Uh, it's sort of the theme that uh, civilization, as we know it, is under attack. Uh, and sometimes the old rules don't apply. You can't abide by the old rules. You have to take law in order into your own hands. Uh, and if there are consequences, so be it. The person shouldn't have been having uh, the mental breakdown in the first place. So that's my, my guess. Uh, that will be the, the uh, theme of that defense. It'll have political reverberations far beyond New York City. Uh, and I'm sure that Donald Trump at some point will take up the cause. Uh, MAGA will take up the cause. Uh, and somehow or other, a mayor like Brandon Johnson will be forced to weigh in some on some level or another here. So it is just where we're at in our 
society right now. Meanwhile, Chicago has not decided, uh, the mayor-elect's team has not decided if they're going to reopen the mental health clinics. So what clearly the world needs now more so than ever, or maybe as much as ever, uh, is relief for folks who are really dealing with a lot of mental issues. And what we're always just not ready to do is offer that relief. All right, that's enough politics for today. I will now uh, turn things over to my distinguished guest, ask him to introduce himself, and then we're going to go in an entirely different direction. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Aaron Cohen. I teach humanities at City Colleges of Chicago, and I write books about music. The most recent one is Gentlemen of Jazz, which is uh, Ramsey Lewis's memoir, the, which I co-wrote uh, with him. Yes, he did. Aaron Cohen. People, oh, I know Aaron Cohen. He's been on your show a few times. Yes, that's that Aaron Cohen. Oh, I know Aaron Cohen. He's been in the Tribune and the Reader. Yes, yes, that Aaron Cohen. Uh, it's always a blast to talk to Aaron. The man knows so much about music. I like to think, Aaron, I know stuff about music, but I'm always uh, just kind of shamed when I, uh, but in a good way, you know, I should. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's, it's all good. good. It's all good. My limited knowledge of music should not be even like considered, you know what I'm saying? Like expert level. Um, anyway, uh, so let's get some of the uh publicity out of the way yes uh gentlemen of jazz is out uh it's the book as aaron said that he uh co-authored with ramsey lewis did most of the work on it before well we'll get into this uh the work before and after ramsey uh died uh, talk about some of the public appearances that people should know about uh for the book well the big event here in chicago is on june 22nd will be a celebration of ramsey lewis at Millennium Park at 6.30 in the evening, be a very big concert, uh, performing Ramsey Lewis's great music, paying tribute to Ramsey Lewis. At 4.30 at the Chicago Cultural Center, which is across the street from Millennium Park, uh, also that day, I will be uh, hosting a panel discussion about Ramsey with people who worked with Ramsey, people who knew Ramsey, who were close to him, and we will be talking about his life and music. So that is on June 22nd at the Chicago Cultural Center downtown at 4.30 in the afternoon. And then afterwards, walk across the street to Millennium Park and enjoy this great uh, concert celebration. On May 18th at Galena Public Library, I'll be heading out to the western part of our state to speak about uh, Ramsey Lewis, Curtis Mayfield, and the Chicago jazz and soul continuum uh, both of those great artists were from cabrini green and then on june 24th i will be participating in the arlington heights uh, literary festival uh, sponsored by the arlington heights public library in arlington heights and that's on in the afternoon of june 24th so those are the public appearances as of now Wow, uh, Galena, man. That's about as far... You're in kidding. That's west. That's about as far west you go. Then you fall into Iowa. Uh, and uh, I actually... Well, and it's a beautiful part of the state. Uh, Iowa's lovely, too. It's right by the Mississippi River. It's, uh, it's great. And the library there has been doing some wonderful things in the community, too. So I'm very happy to support uh, what they're doing. Shout out, Galena. Uh, all right. And... Uh, are you, are you are still under wraps as to who will be performing at that June 22nd concert at Millennium Park? Is that still embargoed? 
they're great musicians. I can tell you that much. They'll be great musicians who I believe you will enjoy very much. All right. Good enough. Uh, close enough. Uh, and um, I'm really hoping that some of the, there's these two significant names in the history of modern music that have been rumored that they might show up. And I'm embargoed from saying anything. <laughs> Me embargoed, like to keep me embargoed about stuff. But I'm really hoping. Well, I don't want. I don't want to cause any aspersions in case anybody you know doesn't show up who's supposed to or people expecting. And but I can say that there are some really great people who will be performing. It will be lovely and a great afternoon in Millennium Park. A great evening in Millennium Park. Great afternoon at the Cultural Center. Great evening in Millennium Park. Uh, and I plan to be at both events. I I do not believe that these two great names will be at the concert. Uh, and I still think it's going to be a great concert, uh, because one thing I've discovered, uh, Aaron, is that the, the music of Earth, Wind and Fire or Stevie Wonder or Ramsey Lewis, I'm just thinking all the, the greats from when I was a kid, uh, up until where I am now, uh, or uh, my favorite is, is George Clinton on this one. Uh, I saw George, I, th I know I've told you this, I saw George Clinton when he came um, to Chicago a few years back, three or four years ago. Uh, I think it was a taste of Chicago. And he was just wandering around stage uh, in a, wearing like this burlap sack. Uh, and I, if he had any connection to the music at all, it was not obviously discernible to me. But these young musicians that they had were killing it. And I couldn't name any of them. I, don't, I know he must have said, a shout out to the musicians. Maybe he did, and I don't. But Aaron, they were absolutely killing it. You would, you thought it when you were at a, a George Clinton concert, a Funkin' Dallas concert in 1975 or something like that. It just so I almost don't care if it's not someone <laughs> that I know. Do you follow? Well, that? I mean, uh, just a little aside here. I mean, George Clinton as conductor coordinator was on stage doing things that people like you and I cannot discern, you know, in terms of how he gets the musicians who are young musicians who are performing to do what they do and how he's able to conduct them is a mystery to us mere mortals, as the case may be. Uh, yes. All right. So Gentlemen of Jazz is the name of the book uh, that you wrote with Ramsey now. Uh, and uh, so talk a little bit about the process itself of writing the book. Uh, with Ramsey Lewis, uh, particularly since uh, he passed about a month or so, I think, before the, the manuscript was complete. Uh, so what, what, what was the process of writing this book? Go ahead. Yes. Well, uh, Ramsey Lewis's uh, agent, Brett Steele, uh, called me, introduced himself, and asked me if I wanted to work with Ramsey uh, on his memoir. And which, of course, great, great honor, uh, having you know been so much. I, I had met uh, Ramsey a few times before, but I never had interviewed him before working on the book. And it was a great honor to be asked. So I went to meet with Ramsey Lewis and his wife uh, Janet at their place up in Streeterville, and uh, I had a few days to prepare how I wanted, how I envisioned the book to be, my plans for the book. And they coincided with what Ramsey Lewis wanted to do with the book and what he wanted to say about his life. And so we agreed to uh, work on this project. And I would go to his place and interview him and uh, also interviewed other people who had worked with him, who were close with him. And uh, then we also would conduct interviews over Zoom as well. And I would play him some 
tracks that he recorded uh, over time and get his response to them, his descriptions of them, what was going on. Um, and it was really just a, a marvelous thing to just watch his reaction to see, hear, to see him as he would listen to these songs probably for the first time in 40 years and what he had to say about them. And so I would write the chapters and include uh, other voices and I would uh, send him the chapters. He would comment and I would include his comments. And, and that was how we kept working uh, up until a couple months before he passed. And um, so we had, he had gone over many of the chapters uh, by that point. And um, our last conversation was in the summer of 2022 and he, he died in September of that year. You remember the last conversation? Oh, yes. Um, because uh, one of the things since after writing the book, uh, we wanted to write an introduction. So our last conversation was about uh, the introduction to the book and what he wanted to write for the introduction. And since he passed before we were able to write the introduction, I wound up writing it, but including his ideas and his thoughts and his quotes. Another very interesting thing about our last conversation was uh, he had just seen that film about Elvis, and uh, he was talking about it, and it made me realize that um, Ramsey Lewis and Elvis Presley were pretty much the same age, and that, um, of course, very different experiences, very different music, um, but there were some links between them. Uh, Ramsey Lewis was on Chess Records, where... Uh, Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley were on. And of course, they very much influenced Elvis. And so that got us talking about popular music and the directions that popular music went uh, after the 1950s and how Ramsey Lewis saw it and compared to what his contemporary in terms of age was doing. So that was our last conversation. Wow, that's, that's fascinating because uh, on the surface... I can't imagine two people who are more uh, unlike uh, each other, Ramsey Lewis uh, and uh, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was just overtaken by the culture he helped create. I became a prisoner of it in many ways. That movie, I don't know, have you seen the movie? <laughs> no, he recommended I see it, and I still haven't. Oh, I recommend it. I've, uh, you know, it's funny, or now we're on a tangent, uh, where we always go, here we go, down the tangent. Um, I was a mini Elvis fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think I may have told you this. I had a, a friend in high school. We debated. He was an Elvis fan. I was a Sammy Davis Jr. fan. So there we were in the cafeteria at Evanston High School arguing uh, over. <laughs> and I had to take the hard line against Elvis in order to defend Sammy Davis Jr., which is really weird. Um, <laughs> but now that I'm not in the crucible of that argument, I've come to appreciate a lot of things about Elvis and that movie, which is a sensational performance, uh, in my opinion, by the young actor uh, in, when he's doing Elvis on stage. He's better than Elvis, actually. Um, made me uh, appreciate Elvis even more. But I can't imagine Ramsey Lewis having a great deal of appreciation for Elvis because it just seems like there was something, like after a while, Elvis was sort of mailing it in with his music. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think with, with anything, um, I, I think Ramsey Lewis appreciated Elvis's great records. Um, you know, the ones he made before 
he was mailing it in. Uh, but one of the great things about uh, Ramsey Lewis was he was very open-minded. Uh, he listened to everything. And um, that was also something when I would speak to his sons, uh, they would say too that uh, whether it was jazz, classical music, various forms of Latin, African music, um, rock and roll, um, you know, he would listen to it all. Um, hip hop, he was sampled heavily in hip hop. So I certainly listened to that. And, um, so it was, it was, it was something that, you know, it, it didn't really surprise me that he liked and enjoyed, uh, the Elvis film again. I haven't seen the film, but just in terms of Elvis, but again, I just would never have thought about connecting the two of them. But then when he said that, and it made me realize that they were the same age, that that sort of opened up this whole other uh, conversation about popular music and his role in popular music, which was our last conversation. Talk about his role in popular music. What, in your opinion, is the significance of Ramsey Lewis as a musician? Well, in terms of jazz, uh, one of the things that he did, which was so incredible, well, many things he did, um, you know, he approached jazz with a background in classical music. He was trained as a classical musician when he was growing up uh, here in Chicago. He approached jazz also from a background in the church, uh, playing in the AME church, which is slightly different than other uh, churches, but still had that gospel feel. And of course, he loved gospel music as well. So he combined those two very different elements in a very interesting way in that, um, you know, this was very uh, sophisticated music, uh, but still had a very populist, popular appeal. Uh, one of the things he always would tell me was, if music doesn't reach out and, and touch, it doesn't really matter to him. And he was able to express that with, you know, very, um, you know, with all of the sort of harmonic training of a classical musician, and with the feel, the immediacy of gospel. And um, one of the things, too, was he was also very open-minded to other musical ideas, as I just mentioned. So in terms of navigating a new way of fusion of you know jazz and rock music, he was doing it in a way that was different than the way that people like Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock were doing. It was uh, a, a fusion that still had this gospel element of emotional immediacy. And that he was then also able to continually explore new areas for for decades uh, in his latter years, working with uh, classical composers on these large-scale uh, classical meets improvisation uh, epic uh, pieces like Proclamation of Hope, his piece for Abraham Lincoln, so that he was constantly working, constantly experimenting, constantly coming up with new ideas, always aware of his audience and course his their what he wanted to reach out to them with and then his mentorship of people like maurice white who then went on to form uh, earth wind and fire and bringing a lot of ramsey lewis's ideas to earth wind and fire his work with the composer producer arranger charles stepney who was doing all sorts of out there classical ideas and bringing him into an r&b pop context and there's Ramsey Lewis right there with him doing it. So there was so much uh, that he was contributing throughout his life. Uh, did he, at the end of his life, was he still listening to music on a regular basis? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, in fact, that was one of those, you know, I have my records LPs right there, but of course I had to ask him what was on his iPod because he's more technologically uh, 
advanced than I am. And, you know, he went down a list of everything he was listening to. And, um, in fact, at the, uh, one of the, I don't want to give away too much in the book, but one of the concluding chapters in the book, it was just sort of his rundown as to what he was listening to at that very moment when I asked him. And it was an incredible range of stuff from, you know, uh, Astra Piazzolla and Neo Marcone to, you know, of course, his favorites like Oscar Peterson and Bill Evans. And it was, it was great. Wow, Oscar Peterson and Bill Evans. See, I, uh, Aaron and I have had this conversation many times. Uh, I have just decided that there's only so much knowledge I can put into my head anymore. So I have just sort of artificially ended my uh, uh, listening to new music uh, age uh, year at 1979. Uh, so I am sort of reliving the 70s constantly and constantly continually discovering uh, new music it's new music for me it's old music and so i'll text aaron go have you ever heard of this and he's like duh of course i've heard of it uh and so i it's kind of encouraging that uh ramsey lewis was still listening to some of the old classics i know people say oh ben you got to listen to the new stuff and this like oh no i don't i don't i don't have to i don't have to all right, we. I won't force you to go through that list because uh, yes, I want. It's in the book. It's in, it's the, in book. the book. Uh, Gentlemen of jazz. People to yeah. read the book. Uh, Gentlemen of jazz. Yes. If if you don't buy it, then check it out of the library. Uh, big supporter of libraries. Uh, but you do, um, you do mention that uh, that you had. I would have loved to have been there for these conversations, uh, where you would throw out a name to him, and then he would riff. Uh, on the name. So why don't you just give us an example of some, and we'll start with uh, Maurice White, who uh, you already alluded was a, uh, the uh, creator uh, of Earth, Wind, and Fire, tremendous uh, figure in, in popular music, one of my heroes. Uh, what were some of the insights that, uh, who began his career or as a drummer for Ramsey Lewis uh, way back when. So go ahead, take it away. Right. Well, uh, Maurice Wright was a, a session drummer at Chess Records, and um, Ramsey Lewis needed a drummer for his trio. And uh, he noticed Maurice White for a number of reasons. One was Maurice White's incredible musical abilities, um, but also that Maurice White was very inquisitive and was always asking Ramsey Lewis questions about things. And so that made uh, Ramsey Lewis wanted to bring him into the group. Um, and then another aspect to Maurice White was um, he was introverted. And Ramsey Lewis helped him, encourage him to be more outgoing as a performer. Uh, so without those very key instructions and very key directives, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire may not have happened. So uh, that was that was very important. Um, and they were close throughout Maurice White's and Ramsey Lewis's lives. They were, even after Maurice White became such a big success, and of course, and then in the mid-70s when uh, Maurice White helped uh, Ramsey Lewis uh, get another pop hit with Sun Goddess and sort of returning all those favors. And it was just a really beautiful, musical, lifelong collaboration. Uh, talk about Sun Goddess. Uh, and that collaboration, uh, they're just, uh, the show has ended, but the Black Ensemble Theater did a tribute to, to Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was outstanding for anybody who loves Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, we'll get into Philip Bailey in, in a little while. I think I told you this already, Aaron, the young man that they had playing Philip Bailey was sensational. Uh, but there's a, an actor who played the role of uh, Ramsey Lewis, 
and they played the song Sun Goddess. The, the in-house band played Sun Goddess, but they didn't talk about the creation of Sun Goddess, which to me is one of the great fusion songs of the 70s. I can't listen to it enough. <laughs> you figure one million times would have done the trick. And I, so talk a little bit about the creation of Sun Goddess. Well, that was one of the things, along with speaking with Ramsey Lewis, I also spoke with, I also spoke with Verdine White, who was the brother of Maurice White and the bassist in Earth, Wind & Fire. Uh, Philip Bailey, uh, I spoke to as well. And so I don't want to go give away too much about uh, that whole story about creating it and recording it here in Chicago at PS Sound, uh, Paul Serrano's uh, studio. But um uh, I mean, long story short, and the details are in the book, is uh, Maurice White said to called up uh, Ramsey Lewis and said, I got a song that's going to be a bigger hit than uh, The In Crowd. And The In Crowd was Ramsey Lewis's big hit from the mid-60s. And of course, Ramsey Lewis paid a lot of attention to him saying that. And so they came to Chicago, the Earth, Wind & Fire crew came to Chicago. That shows you again, how much reverence they had for Ramsey Lewis was that they came to Chicago to, you know, do that session here. They didn't say to Ramsey Lewis, um, you know, we'll fly you out to LA and everything, but we'll come to you and record it. Um, but it did not really, um, take off the way they had expected it to. So, um, without giving too much away, they did not expect it to happen the way that it did, but, they're very glad that it did happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, did did Ramsey Lewis ever tell you he got tired of playing? Like in crowd, sun goddess, hang on. No, uh, he he really loved um, he he really loved those songs, um, and he he would never never get tired of playing them. Um, uh, the the only challenge with sun goddess was um, finding somebody who could play in his group and sing because it's the magic of the song is the vocals. And when the guitarist, Henry Johnson uh, joined the group, Henry Johnson, incredible, incredible guitarist, but also a very good singer too. So that was what they were able to uh, recapture it live on stage when Henry joined the group. Who, who sang it? Uh, I'm trying to think the last time I saw Ramsey Lewis, and I believe you were there as well. Millennium park. It was an absolutely beautiful night. Uh, it was just, a, I'm choking up just thinking about it. Uh, bet you by golly wow, maybe one of the greatest yes. renditions I've ever heard on that stage. And, uh, who did, but the, I remember him telling well, us. Henry, yeah. yeah Henry on. was in the group at that time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Henry, uh, Henry was with Ramsey for about 43 years. So a uh, very longstanding collaborator. Um, but yeah, that was a beautiful concert. That was, um, you know, I, I remember because I, I reviewed it for the Tribune. That was his performance at the Chicago Jazz Festival, where it was after uh, Ramsey Lewis had announced that he was retiring. And I remember, I mean, I loved the music, but I was a bit skeptical as to whether or not he was actually hanging it up. But um, yeah, so I, I was, you know, was enthralled with the music. I just wondered, I was like, no, he can't, he can't be leaving concert stage. No, I mean, he's Ramsey Lewis. He's going to be playing with a for us forever but you know things did not quite happen that way and yes that was his last major concert and and what did he say about that concert i'm sure you asked him about it oh it was just it was just a beautiful beautiful experience a beautiful way to say goodbye um to 
concert stage uh, to, um, you know, that was, yeah, it was very moving for everybody. And speaking to the other members of the group um, for them as well. Yeah. Talk about the early days of Ramsey Lewis. You mentioned before uh, that he's from Chicago, grew up in the Cabrini Green area. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, uh, Ramsey Lewis grew up, as you said, in Cabrini Green. Um, You know, his parents were uh, very loving parents, very supportive of him. Uh, They loved music. And, you know, this, they were, they had migrated from the South. His parents were part of the great migration uh, generation. And Ramsey Lewis spoke a lot about what that meant, what that meant to him, um, the things that he saw as a result. Um, You know, his father had um, working class jobs and Ramsey would talk about what that meant and how he observed his father in the day-to-day life that his father led and the impression that it made on him. And Ramsey Lewis was very outspoken about that. And it was saying, he told me some things that I had never uh, thought uh, before about his night because I'd done research, you know, with everything, but the way he told me these stories about some of the things he experienced, I'd, I'd never heard before, but from an early age, Ramsey Lewis loved that piano. He loved being at that piano. He loved, playing he loved classical music he loved playing classical music he loved the discipline of it he loved playing in the church he loved seeing the way people responded in the church to the way he played and he came to jazz kind of by accident and that whole story is told in the book much he tells it much better than i can so um you know but he did um in his trio did start recording at chess records when he was really young um for a, for a jazz musician and was composing at a young age too and became the musical director of the group when he was in his late teens and took it from there, really. Uh, it's just the thought of uh, chess records, just to a bit of fly on the wall. Uh, they, could, they had the, uh, the jazz label as well, so I think everybody thinks of chess records, yes. Uh, and uh, if they think about chess records at all, they think about R&B, rock and roll, soul music, uh, blues, uh, but they had a great jazz uh, label. As well. Yeah, I mean, there was Ramsey Lewis and also uh, the late Ahmad Jamal uh, on chess as well. And, um, you know, and for uh, sometimes chess tried to market it as if the two of them were rivals, which they were not. And uh, there's more about that in the book. I, um, I, I want to <laughs> ask you the Ahmad Jamal question. Uh, we paid. Tri- tribute to him he passed about a couple months ago i think beautiful musician wonderful wonderful musician and so important to jazz um but uh yeah the uh again i don't want to give too much away here but uh yes ramsey lewis and amaj mall were compared and how ramsey felt about that is very interesting were they friends uh again um Read the book. Read the book. <laughs> Man, you're not going to get Aaron Cohen to give anything away. You better read the book. No, no, I, I worked hard on this book. You guys got to read it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do what I can to get everybody to buy it. I'm going to buy a copy of it. Usually I get them out of the library, but uh, I will add this to uh, Lately, Aaron, just to sh- go on a tangent with it, I've been buying, I'm back to buying books. I went through a long phase where I was just only getting from the libraries. I didn't want to add to my collection. Uh, so lately I've been buying books and, uh, then I decide who do I give this book to when I'm done reading it? Uh, that's, it's all good. I mean, whether you buy a book, check it out of the library. I mean, I'm in favor of independent bookstores. I'm in favor of libraries 
all the way. Both well, are great yeah. institutions. I'm now going through a phase where I'm reading E. Jean Carroll's books. I'm really curious about E. Jean Carroll. That's a tangible. Yeah, she's been in the news. Yeah. yeah, she's been in the news. She, of course, is the woman who just won the judgment against Donald Trump uh, in New York City. We've talked about it endlessly on this show. But she was a great journalist for 30 years and a writer, a great uh, nonfiction writer. So I'm just very curious about the work of Jean Carroll. So I am. This is a little little aside here about libraries because um, you know, I saw you know people check my book out of the library. That's great. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, aren't you mad that when people check your book out of the library, they're not buying your book? But it's because of public libraries that I, growing up, could check books out and read that I got into writing. So if it wasn't for public libraries, I wouldn't be writing books because they were my introduction to books. And I just love libraries. Well, what's your and friend? I married a librarian. Oh, oh I did not know that. Uh, yes, okay. I did. Uh, what, what your friend is avoiding is that in this day and age, uh, libraries are a key market for authors. Oh, so absolutely. if libraries start buying your book, there's a lot of libraries in this country. Oh, yes. Oh, and, yes. Uh, so, you know, it's like you oh, sell yes. a lot of books to libraries. Uh, the guy who asked that question is clearly not a writer. Or maybe a reader, uh, and uh, but man, writers love libraries. Are you I do, I totally do. Um, hundred uh, percent with libraries all the way. Uh, God, I'm really tempted to ask you some more, Ahmad Jamal. I, I'm just. Well, yeah, I mean, again, wonderful musician, wonderful pianist, um, and it's it was sad that we lost him as well yeah. uh, recently. Yeah, that's just a delicate touch. It's really hard to explain. Uh, just oh, his use of space, it. everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the pauses there. And all right, you got to tell me something about uh, his thoughts on Philip Bailey. The, uh, they performed together at uh, that that club in Evanston. I'm forgetting the name of the club. Uh, it was about five years ago, I want to say. It's on Chicago Avenue. In space. Space. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Aaron, I don't know if you know that, but they performed together, Ramsey Lewis and Philip Bailey. Philip Bailey, for folks uh, who don't know the singers, is the the high voice in Earth with a <laughs> Philip Bailey imitation, which I will not do anymore. Uh, absolutely gorgeous voice. Uh, so many great Earth, Wind and Fire songs are Philip Bailey just riffing. Reasons Live, one of the greatest songs of all. Oh, time. absolutely, yeah. Uh, um, and that's Philip Bailey. Then you know riffing with the sax uh so any insights that you can offer without giving anything away about the collaborative efforts between uh ramsey lewis and philip bailey well my my sense was that you know of course obviously you hear philip bailey sing and you know he's a great singer you know he's wonderful and um you know and ramsey lewis always loved great singers i mean he worked with minnie riverton here in chicago on her solo debut so you know, Philip Bailey, he certainly recognized the quality and what he was doing. Um, but it just seemed that uh, Ramsey Lewis had such high regard for Maurice White that, you know, anybody who Maurice White would bring into his organization, whether it was Philip Bailey or Larry Dunn, you know, Ramsey Lewis was all in favor of them because of his esteem for Maurice White. And, you know, Philip Bailey, he met through uh, the Earth, Wind, and Fire organization. Um, certainly just loved his voice. How did Maurice White and Philip Bailey connect? You know, I used to, oh uh, gosh, you know, that's in uh, Maurice White's memoir, which came out, um, what was it, 10 years ago when Maurice White's memoir came out? And he goes into detail about that. And that was a really good book. He wrote that with um, 
Herb Powell out in Los Angeles. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know I that. I can't remember offhand. either. But it's in the book. It's in yeah. Maurice White's I, book, so which I Ramsey recommend. So did Ramsey Lewis ever say to you, like, did he ever turn the tables and ask you questions about yourself? Like, how do you know so much about music, Aaron Cohen? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you care so much about this stuff? Well, you know, we we got in some very nice conversations, um, and yeah, he did ask me you know, about myself and my life, and um, you know, I the only thing you know, and I, I like I say, I regret that we just didn't spend more time together, um, you know, because of his passing. I regret that he's not here right now, where we could just celebrate and have just a very relaxed uh, conversation that's not talking about you know um, our work and. Um, when the initial meeting, yeah, he definitely wanted to know about things. And it's funny too, you know, because, um, working at publications like downbeat or the Chicago tribune or others, uh, one of the reasons why I never interviewed uh, Ramsey Lewis was because it was like the higher ups, the ones who had more seniority who got to interview him. So, um, it was, it was kind of funny that, you know, my first time interviewing him was for his book as opposed to having interviewed him for articles. Um, I met him actually, uh, and I reminded him of this in December of 1998. We were uh, part of the Chicago delegation to the Havana International Jazz Festival in Cuba, and he was going as a performer, and I was going as a writer for Downbeat, and that's that's how we met. It was on a flight to Cuba in 1998. That is so wild. Hey, do you remember that? Well, I, he remembered the flight to Cuba. Oh, he he remembered his time in Cuba, and he had some interesting memories of Cuba. Yeah. But um, you know, he he uh, he he wasn't interested in in Cuba. He was not like a hang out and drink at the bar kind of guy like I was. So um, we didn't hang out much in Cuba because he was more you know serious about playing and performing and working, and I was there with kicking back with mojitos and you know. Uh, and uh, did he give you? his thoughts on the chess brothers which oh he did yes oh very much so um and you know he as the title of the book gentleman of jazz says i mean he's very polite and very has warm things to say about people but his thoughts on the chess brothers more complex uh that's what they call a tease ladies and gentlemen that's a tease uh aaron's like you i'm not giving away this book you got to read this book okay uh yes, his feelings about, yeah there was it was more complex yeah mm-hmm. more complex uh that that would pretty much sum up the the chess brothers were not in business ladies and gentlemen to give the product away they were business to make money uh and uh, and so are we all so are we all and uh uh I know Aaron's heard me on this subject many times. Uh, Don Cornelius, uh, when his tribute night at Millennium Park, he gave a tribute to the Chess Brothers. Uh, and it, <laughs> uh, it was like an X-rated tribute. Uh, <laughs> but clearly he I remember uh, a thing or two about. Um, by the way, I did not know this. Monroe Anderson told me this, uh, regular guest on the show. So we were talking about Roy Wood Jr., Oh he yes, the great comedian who did the um, the what what is it the the, the broad the broadcasters dinner or the by the yeah the White House correspondent the White House yeah yeah, yeah yeah whatever yeah. That. Uh, and then Monroe pointed out to me that uh, Roy Wood uh, Senior uh, worked um, for VON. Oh yes, uh, I told you Eric Cohen knows everything. <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, so I looked it up. Not that I don't believe everything that Monroe Anderson tells me, but I did look this up. 
Uh, yeah, and it, it was a delightful story in the Wikipedia entry on uh, Roy Wood Sr. about the time he um, that Don, Don Cornelius was a police officer for Chicago, and he pulled over uh, Roy Wood Sr. for uh, Roy would pulled, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, right, got pulled and, over by Don Cornelius, yeah, yeah, Don Cornelius, and uh, Roy is like, Oh my god, your voice is perfect for radio. Here's my card. What a slick move! <laughs> I got out of a, a speeding, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, all anyway. the way Chicago corruption can work sometimes, yes, uh, to your uh, to your advantage. Uh, any uh, uh, anything else you want to add before I let you go uh, about the book to promote your appearances? Anything else? Go ahead, Aaron. Well, like I say, I mean, Ramsey Lewis's music uh, is so important. And it's been really interesting to me to see uh, how his music reverberated, not just across the United States, but in England and Japan and all over the world, other, other countries, how they had uh, revered him. And so that's just been a real uh, mind opener, so to speak. But um, please come out uh, June 22nd to the Chicago Cultural Center at 430 for the panel discussion and then enjoy the concert at Millennium Park at 630 that evening. And, and uh, I, I want to do this show with you sometime. So I'm going to put this in your brain right now. That's not tied to any book or project you're doing where I just give you this challenge. Pick an album from the 70s. Any any style that you want well it'd probably be jazz or soul pop music and then let's take the deep dive on that one uh, can it be an entire box set i have this whole herbie hancock uh box set of the entire <laughs> so if we could like just you know talk about this herbie hancock uh, okay we can here. do the herbie Hancock. <laughs> let's not break it down to any one herbie hancock <laughs> yeah, album i mean just the do the whole herbie hancock uh, collection no that's that's Herbie Hancock, uh, individual Herbie Hancock, or, or is that Herbie Hancock also as a co- collaborator? Uh, no, this is this artists. is his complete complete Columbia co- recordings from uh, the '70s into the '80s. So oh, it's God. the complete uh, Herbie Hancock collection. I've just been I've just been in a Herbie Hancock uh, phase, so I've just been digging this box set for the last uh, few weeks. I, I'm always in a Herbie Hancock phase. Yeah, I believe he's playing at the Newport Jazz Festival this year. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he's also playing in L.A. Um, and uh, for some reason, I'm not sure if he's playing in his hometown of Chicago. Uh, I don't know if he has anything slated for Chicago this year at this point. Um, he, he comes here pretty regularly, though. So um, always got to see him. Always got to see the great Herbie Hancock. All right. Uh, Aaron Cohen, thank you very much, gentlemen. Of thank Jazz. you for having me, Ben. And Nate, thank you very much. Thanks very much for uh, having me on the show. Absolutely. Gentleman Jazz is the name of the book. Uh, buy it. Check it out of the library, whatever. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, and Aaron Cohen is truly one of the most knowledgeable people I know about popular music. Aaron, thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. All right. That's Aaron Cohen. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Bye.